Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a monthly gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. And I'm Josh Kalecki. And today we're talking about the Super Smash Brothers series. <laughs> that takes me back right there. Uh, this series, the original game, was developed by HAL and published by Nintendo. It was released for the Nintendo 64 back in 1999 possibly the crowning achievement of the platform, despite my wife's insistence that Mario Kart is better. That's funny, because all my brothers would say Mario Party was the uh, the crowning achievement of that platform. And most of the world would say that it's either Ocarina of Time or Super Mario 64. But I'm inclined to agree with you, Josh. I love Smash Brothers, and I think both of us have played enough hours of this game to have it permanently installed in our pantheon of gaming greats. I think so. I think so. Which, that's part of the reason we're doing this uh, this little retrospective on the series right now. Both of us, I think there's um, there's five entries in the series. There was the GameCube Super Smash Bros. Melee, the Wii version Super Smash Bros. Brawl, and um, the fourth installment, the Super Smash Bros. for the 3DS and the Wii U. Um, I did not play that one myself. Yeah, and how can we forget the current and most recent installment, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which came out on Switch just last year in 2018. And that game, uh, I believe it's the one that has sort of perfected and really brought the series into modern times. I think it's the first one that has a competitive scene that has really been embraced since Melee, the second outing. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, Sakurai, uh, Matsuhiro Sakurai, the director of this series, uh, considers this his sort of crowning achievement for the series and is the one that he's going to want to continue to have supported in uh, perpetuity for the time being. It's a hell of an outing, this fifth one right here. Um, excellent gameplay, more characters than you can shake a stick at. Uh, but let's not get ahead of ourselves here. The Super Smash Bros. series is a, it's a series of crossover fighting video games made by Nintendo and HAL. Uh, it primarily uses characters from Nintendo, uh, but uh, as of these recent additions to the um, to the catalog, I think starting with Brawl for the Wii, it started using characters that were not Nintendo characters or even characters that appeared on a Nintendo platform. Yeah, that's right. They've been really branching out in, in recent outings from everyone from Sonic the Hedgehog to Solid Snake to now they've got Square Enix characters in there, Cloud and the titular hero from Dragon Quest uh, series. They are really pulling from the entire, you know, pantheon of, of gaming characters, which is great. I, I really like to see them bringing in these uh, properties from outside the Nintendo umbrella. There is definitely an element of fan service to this game. Uh, always has been. I think the original impetus for the series stemmed from a drunken debate between video game developers about who would win in a fight, Mario or Pikachu. Is that and, true? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just made that up. But it's like it feels true, with which to each counts just as much. And actually, it it goes to what actually makes this game fun because you know if you were a kid that grew up with nintendo properties and uh the selling point of the original entry in this series to me was always like oh yeah well i bet you that ness could take out link any day of the week and it turns out you're right because ness is way op in that first game <laughs> but that's beside the point um it is really fun to have you know you be able to pick your favorite character from 
uh, a gaming series that's very beloved and uh, take them into the arena with a bunch of other fighters. And with this latest outing in Ultimate, there are uh, going to be a total of 75 fighters at least. Right now we're up to 74 as of uh, the recording here in December of 2019. And, you know, that's that's just a lot of different characters from a lot of different properties. And it's really fun to see how they've adapted them and uh, drew from their source material to make uh, a character for their uh, fighting game debut. You know, there are certainly a lot of characters in this latest one, and I'll even go so far as to say there are too many characters in the new game. Uh, 75, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of uh, a lot of strategies, movesets, and counter strategies you have to be familiar with, very familiar with, I think, to succeed at the competitive level. Of course, even succeeding at the competitive level is beyond my abilities and I believe Brian's abilities as well with this game. Um, there's a healthy competitive scene for this these games, and we are not part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. This game has had a, a competitive scene that's gone on for years and years. Uh, there's actually a really great documentary about the initial forming of that community called The Smash Brothers, which is available for free on YouTube uh, by East Point Productions, I think. And it's it's incredible. It's only, you know, maybe about maybe three four hours of content but it's uh, it's all really good it's well produced the character the people in it are likable and they're all uh it's first-hand interviews so you're getting you know you're getting text and you know direct input from the people that were part of this whole forming scene which is really neat i'd like to point out you can tell you're talking to a video gamer when he says something like you know there's only three or four hours of content there <laughs> hey, you know, it's like one uh, Netflix miniseries, I guess. Oh, that's true. That's true. You got all the binge watchers out there, too, these days. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, Smash Brothers seen, you know, the competitive side of it has always been something that I've been interested in from the sidelines, but never uh, delved into myself. You know, it's one of those things that logistically was always poorly timed and inconvenient for me as a person who, when it came to fruition, was in high school and college, and then in the professional, you know, workforce. Uh, it just wasn't something that really fit my schedule. Although, you know, even if it was, I doubt I would be skilled enough to partake. <laughs> Yeah, well, have you ever watched any of the matches they have online or anything like that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this game is a regular, you know, every year it's in Evo. Uh, I think Smash Brothers is really the only fighting game that I would tune into Evo for. So, yeah, I have. I've watched championship matches and, you know, scrimmages that appear on Twitch every once so often if something, like, pops up on Reddit as, like, a particularly interesting match. So, yeah, I, I would consider myself, like, a consumer of Smash Brothers uh competitive level matches i would say there's a big difference between you know these competitive skill levels and our own and i actually think that's one of the brilliant features of this game when it first came out a lot of fighting games back in 1999 you had your mortal Kombat, street fighter your killer instincts soul calibers all of these things uh they were all very much based around here's your character here's your move set for them that's 30 moves long and all of them are you know uh do the little twirl the joystick in a circle and hit these two buttons and then do this other move and that was kind of like um you would almost have to study that and practice that in order to get good at the game in this game the there's this universal input system everything is the same button combinations for each character you know each character has different attacks and special moves but the way to 
perform those moves is very similar across the board. That's right. It's it's a system that is built for a high skill ceiling and a low skill floor. So you can come in with low skill level and still be able to execute moves, but at the high level, knowing the exact timing, framing, and you know effect uh, area of each move makes for some incredibly technical uh, matches in terms of competitive play. <laughs> It's worth mentioning while we're talking through the exact mechanics of the game that this is not your typical fighting game where you have health bar and your enemy has health bar and the first one to zero loses. It is basically a platform-based fighting game where you are racking up percent with each hit against your enemy, and that percent allows you to hit them further and further with subsequent attacks. And the goal is to eventually force them off of the platform that you are on off the screen and that leads to them losing a stock or their lives uh, quote unquote Mm -hmm. yeah they'll either be slammed against the invisible wall of death on either side of the arena they'll fall to the bottom to a fiery grave or they get sent off into the sky and they're down one life and generally speaking, in uh, in competitive play, it's three stock matches are generally what they go for. Three stocks equals three lives for those who aren't in the know. But the nice thing about Smash Brothers is it allows you to sort of take uh, the mechanics and the sandbox that they create for you and create the rules for your own game. There's a ton of different variations of uh, modes you can have from time-based matches that reward the highest kill total to the winner uh, to stock, which is what we just explained, to... HP-based battles in a traditional sense. Everyone starts with 500 HP and first one to zero loses, etc., etc. There's a ton of uh, rule variations, and there's been more added with each entry to the series. I know they aren't used very much in competitive play, or at least I believe they aren't, Um, but there's also a wide variety of items that you can pick up and use in the game, uh, from things like baseball bats, ray guns, to more complicated things like throw a pokeball and a random pokemon hops out to try to help you out that's right i always considered items to be like the most fun and interesting thing about this game but to be perfectly honest if you dominate the item scene for your given match it you're almost guaranteed to win so for competitive purposes items are always turned off and the stage effects which are another sort of external input to the battle and can sometimes be quite drastic um are also turned off uh While I'm talking about that, it's worth mentioning that all of the game's stages and themes and uh, music are themed after various Nintendo and uh, non-Nintendo video game properties. So you'll be fighting in Saffron City from Pokemon, or you'll be fighting in the Mushroom Kingdom from Mario, or Hyrule Castle from The Legend of Zelda. Oh, they keep the fan service high, and I mean that in a totally good way. Exactly. That was the main thing I called out in my um, little game of the year list last year when I named Super Smash Bros. Ultimate as my favorite game of 2018, because it really is all about the fan service of this series. Like, they, they know who they're talking to. They're talking to people who have played not only the Smash Bros. series, but the games from which the Smash Bros. characters are being pulled from. 
and the more genuine you can be with like what makes this character special from their given series, incorporating that moveset into the Smash Brothers formula, the better the outcome will be for the fan base. Yeah, now that's something I'm going to push back on a little bit. Um, and this goes back to the too many characters sort of thing as well. I think one of the great things about the game was the level of technical skill you could get out of the simplified input scheme. Um, how the characters, they all played very similarly. I feel like in this latest inter- iteration, there are a lot of characters out there who have a little, call it twist on something. Like um, something basic like the ink person from Splatoon, I think it is. Uh, how they have to collect ink in the downtime to different mana systems for some of their RPG characters or things like that. I feel like I understand why they do that because this is a mature video game series. Hey, happy 20th anniversary. And you're looking to kind of like bust out of the routine. Um, you're looking for some variety, something for the longtime players, uh, something to kind of keep them on their toes and keep the game fresh. But at the same time, I feel that you're losing one of your core strengths that the first couple of games in the series had. You're you're absolutely right. This is a series that it, over the course of its life has had several very hard and fast rules and with Ultimate they've definitely felt that they are able to break some of those rules. Like the most recent character that's come out or maybe the second most recent as of this recording is uh, Banjo and Kazooie from Banjo Kazooie. And they have a move that is only allowed to be used for a certain amount of time or a certain amount of times per life. It's the the golden feathers from that that game. And it renders the character completely invincible, but it is limited uh, per stock. So that is a very interesting sort of uh, change to how moves normally work in these games, which, you know, generally keeps everyone on fairly equal footing. Uh, Mario, for lack of a better word, is the Ken, if you're talking in, you know, traditional fighting <laughs> game <laughs> parlance of this series. And, you know, the the characters tend to get a little weirder from there. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of variation in character movesets, styles of play, and so on. I know we're going to probably talk mostly about how this game uh you know, operates in multiplayer, but I think it's worth at least bringing up for a little bit the single player modes in this game, because it certainly isn't nothing. And it's always something I had fun with in these games, uh, just to like sort of get used to the game, try out new characters. And, you know, I think it's evolved over time into something that's actually pretty compelling with the various iterations of it. The original one was just kind of a standard tournament or ladder match or whatever that had been done a lot in fighting games before, where you fight against eight to ten or whatever different enemies at their home stages, and then you get to fight the final boss with a couple of other um, twists thrown in on that. Like, there was the break-the-target races. There was uh, the Metal Mario match. Or, like, character rush matches where everyone flies really fast, but they're throwing something like five or six characters at you at a time. All those Yoshis. Yeah, fighting polygon team is one that sticks out in my memory. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, who can be bothered with meshes and graphics? <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it, the single players started to evolve with the Brawl outing uh, when they put out Subspace Emissary. If you remember that, it was the first one that sort of put an overarching story between each of these individual exhibition matches you would have against a character. And they incorporated some really uh, intense and dramatic 
uh, cinematics as well. Like this was a very like over enthusiastic anime storyline where <laughs> you know they're taking on like destruction of the universe as a team of Nintendo characters, which is always kind of fun. As you and do. They, yeah, they they continued that tradition in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate with the World of Light and actually expanded on it. Uh, I don't know how much you played World of Light in Ultimate, Josh, but they added this spirit system that I found really compelling that allowed you to, as you defeated characters, unlock spirits, quote-unquote, which took the form of characters from the various series uh, that are in the game and augmented your stats and abilities uh, as you played single-player. I've played not quite halfway through the world of light on the new one i would say that i found the brawl version of the game much more compelling than the um ultimate version of the game of the just because of the cinematics and the sort of overarching story was a little more cohesive uh more in the way they did the matches there if i'm remembering correctly from the brawl version you were given a match and it was like, okay, you're going to be this character or maybe you have a choice of a couple characters. Uh, But it was much more limiting. You had to experience what it was like to be the different characters. In the newer version, uh, you can uh, stick with one character. There's not as much forcing you to experience all the different characters and uh, kind of styles as well. Um, And the, the matches they had you play just seemed a little bit too like spin the roulette random gimmicky yeah it wasn't as put together as brawl was i think i agree with that that being said there's a lot more volume in the world of light and ultimate and i think i agree with your assessment that the context was better for the subspace emissary battles than it is for the world of light uh, battles in ultimate not just context but also how it was designed. I felt like the brawl matches were well designed and I kind of lacked that feeling with ultimate. That's a good point. They're asking you to demonstrate that you have a specific skill set with a specific character in subspace emissary. Whereas in world of light, they're giving you a toolbox and asking you to pick the tool for the job for on one side emphasizes player choice, but on the other side, um, makes everything a little more kludgy in terms of how you're meant to experience it and how you're going to experience it. There's less directorial control. Um, but yeah, in terms of other sort of non-multiplayer things that this game brings, you already mentioned Break the Targets, which I always found a very fun uh you know, basically a speed run to break various targets in a platforming level with Smash Brothers characters. That's always fun. Um, Board the Platforms was one that I think they eventually phased out, but I liked it in the original one. A perennial favorite that is still in effect today with Ultimate is the Home Run Contest, which is basically, they give you a certain amount of time to do as much damage to a sandbag as you can, uh, keeping it in place, and then hitting it with your most powerful launching move to see how far it will fly. And uh, if, if you haven't yet, and maybe I'll even link this in the show notes, there are some truly incredible combos that go on to set the record or the world record for the furthest home run contest hit. Yeah, I'll have to check some of those out. I remember playing those. So in the in the second game, the May, uh, Super Smash Bros. Melee, uh, there was a difference between the break the targets and the board the platforms. I remember the board the platforms were emphasizing the movement, and it really got you aware of how the character moved and landed and could say wall jump or whatever whereas the break the targets was 
making you aware of the different ways the uh, character could attack. Like, you might be Samus and you might have to do the um, mind jump or something like that, uh, where you uh, lay the mines in a particular sequence and have to use that to progress in the game. So I thought that was it was good to have the differentiation between the two. I don't, does the ultimate have the same break the targets, board the platforms? You know, I don't even know that I've ever checked. <laughs> but I know it does have home run contests, though. The important um, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I've played it, but I've seen like videos of the world records, which are always fun to watch. Um, one thing I wanted to make sure we hit on for what makes this game special and why from a design perspective it's so impressive is the animation and i touched on a little bit earlier about how the series translates characters from various genres into one format for example i can't think of two different game protagonists than ness from earthbound and bayonetta from the third person action game bayonetta but yet here they are fighting you know toe to toe in a fighting game so it's impressive to me that they're able to take characters from each of these genres and blend them into one format. Oh, I feel like some of the more impressive things are like Animal Crossing characters putting up a fight. Good point. Yeah, yeah. Animal Crossing, Star Fox. We've got, what do we have there represented? We have platformers, third-person action, JRPG, uh, Flight Simulator. Like all of these characters from these various game genres coming together for one sort of platform fighter is just crazy you know like think about how much work must have gone into developing the move sets the exact framing and even someone who translates more one-to-one like mario or link uh getting them to fit into a single uh game in terms of framing and animation just really talks to how well defined the mechanics that underlie this entire system are one of the things I've been kind of impressed with from an art standpoint as well is call it the consistency of the art direction, maybe. Um, but think about all the different series we're pulling humans in from. You know, you have Mario looking a certain way. You have Ness looking away. You have uh, Bayonetta. You have the Fire Emblems, all the Fire Emblem people, Solid Snake. These are games that have a very different drawing style for how they show their characters and nothing really clashes inside this game when you see one character next to another you're not thinking oh this is you know you're not noticing it which means they're doing a good job yeah that's actually that's a fantastic point like all of these games are really known for their style their art Uh, these characters are only really relevant and known to people because they resonated so strongly with them in their own individual properties and yet still when you're putting them side by side in super smash brothers they're resonating in the same way i never realized until you said it just now what a feat that is Uh, now that we're talking about these characters and their various styles and how many there are, uh, I know there's 75, but I know there's someone that you've always wanted to appear in Smash Brothers. Who is it? Who's not in Smash Brothers? It should be. I know I have one in mind. Who are you thinking? I am thinking of um, the fox from Okami, uh, the one with the like flaming wheel on their back. Oh I think that yeah, would be a really cool, really cool character for Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> 
now that we, you know, since we have Dark Souls coming up in our games to play, I think you could put the Chosen Undead in there, put him in Elite Knight Armor, have him have a pretty standard Dark Souls moveset, High Poise, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you want to choose a named character from the Dark Souls series, Havel the Rock would be a great choice as well. Maybe I'd go with uh, Mallow from Super Mario RPG. That's good. That's good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's there's more than you think still out there. I mean, they've only scratched the surface of Final Fantasy characters. You know, they just put Cloud in with this latest outing. Maybe we get, like, a Tidus or something like that. Uh, on top of all the characters being pulled from a variety of different properties, Super Smash Brothers puts on display an astounding variety of music in terms of not only original music from each of the series, but also orchestral remixes or other types of remixes. Uh, that really will bring to bear the awesome soundtracks from these various series in one place. Now, I feel like this is a lot more remix in this game than original music. Um, I'm trying to think of original songs. There's the title track, uh, the master hand fight, I'm sure. Uh, But I feel like a lot of the songs were remixes, really, really well done remixes of the games where the characters came from. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I guess what I meant by original music is music that is pulled directly from the original series. Oh, but you're okay. you're you're right that Smash Brothers itself also has really good original music. Like all of the title tracks are original for each of the things and I I still remember the title track to pretty much every game in the series from the original Smash Brothers to Melee to Brawl, but then the latest one like has like a real intense rocky vibe uh, that I love. Like it is a a really rocking track, and I probably played it at the top of this episode, to be honest. <laughs> That's all good. But yeah, they've got a fantastic music in the game. Um, all the different. Uh, that's one of the things I've really liked about this series is hearing the different ways that old video game songs get reinterpreted, that they get orchestrated. For like the you know for a symphony orchestra as opposed to the chip tunes they used to be working with. Yeah, that's right. They you know these tracks are updated to modern standards. Like n- no Earthbound music has been written since uh, whenever Earthbound came out in the '90s, and yet we're still getting remixes of Oneet theme hmm. uh, here in. 2019 which you know just kind of warms my heart that these tracks are being like taken seriously and adapted into a a modern property you know what's weird to think about is i'd be willing to bet that there have been more minutes of earthbound music written for the super smash bros series than were composed for the game itself. Oh, I think that's absolutely true. And it's not to decry the music that was done in the original, but probably rather to praise the fact that they are pulling from such a strong original work. Now, I wonder, kind of, thinking back to that original, uh, there were eight characters originally, and you could unlock four more. Uh, The four you could unlock were Jigglypuff, Bowser, Captain Falcon, which, okay, that's a bit of a dark horse too, but also Ness. Um, uh, it wasn't Bowser, it was Luigi. Luigi, yes. Bowser wasn't until Melee, thank you. Um, but I'm just wondering, like, how many people were introduced to Earthbound through that? 
I'd imagine quite a few, actually. Like, most people, when they saw Ness originally, were probably like, and who? <laughs> uh, and, you know, to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't have known about Earthbound if not for you, Josh. So, one, thank you. <laughs> but two, um, I, I agree that he was definitely... I'm, I'm glad that Ness' appearance in Smash Brothers helped bring back the popularity of the greatness that is Earthbound. Very true. Very. It's worth mentioning that Ness was our favorite character in the first one. Yeah, but who always won, Josh? I was. I thought we were pretty even. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. We were fairly even. We had good Ness duels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I uh, I do remember liking that first one so much that I like had the typical gamer backlash against Melee, where it's like, ah, it'll never be as good as the first one. Oh, <laughs> be old. It was good. It was it was better. It just took me a little while to realize that. It grows on you. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was a very uh, you know, it was of the time. You know, I was like, I was in in middle school. It makes sense that uh, you have an immature <laughs> reaction to a game when you're immature yourself. Very true. Very true. Another one of the wonderful things this game did when it first came out in 1999, I thought, was to let four fighters go at each other at a time instead of just two. And when you're playing on the couch with your friends, this makes it clearly the best fighting game because twice as many people can play it as, say, Mortal Kombat or something like that. Uh, This game had a really good couch scene going on with it. It was easy to pick up and play with your friends made it easier for people to play with no skill level and still feel like it was competitive, like the items, which could be a great equalizer of skill. You know, you might be terrible, but you pick up a hammer or the right Pokeball, and you're, you know, right back in it with everybody else. And also the simple input scheme we talked about before. Um, If you figured out how to do an up smash or an up special move for one character, you knew how to do it for the other character, even if you didn't know what it does. So I felt like that made it a very easy, casual fighting game. You're absolutely right. This is still the gold standard in terms of a couch competitive fighting game. Uh, it is the one that will bring in the most people the fastest because of the recognizable characters. As you mentioned, the controls are super accessible. And on top of that, it was a trailblazer in that four-player mode, as you said, you know, before before that fighting games were were duels and now you know free for all uh became a thing um and yeah i'm gonna license myself to cut in free for all <laughs> because it, it's gotta happen it's gotta happen um, it really was sort of revolutionary in terms of uh nintendo 64 was i believe the first system with the four controller ports and this game really was designed to take advantage of that to the fullest Also, besides the wonderful couch scene, the very easy to pick up and play, uh, the game had a lot of, call it technical mastery that could be achieved with it. You called it a high skill ceiling before, uh, which is very true. And they have a competitive scene. I think you mentioned it started with Melee, but it still continues to this day. And apparently they got their Twitch streams and their world championships and all that. Yeah, it's pretty impressive that they have managed to take the community that started way back when this game came out in, say, 96 or so, I think, all the way, or 99, rather, all the way up until today. Um, You know, some of the people that were competitive in that initial uh, Super Smash Brothers for 64 scene are still commentators in the Evo fights that go on every year in, here in 2019. Well, so They're also like tw- two decades older than they were before. Yeah, but it's, it 
this is a game that has inspired people to be a part of a community, and that's mm. that's a rare thing. I I hear that the community is much less toxic than some other communities out there. Oh yeah, yeah, and if if you watch that uh, Smash Brothers documentary I recommended at the top of the cast, I think you'll see that like for the most part, these people are are pretty good. Uh, they're supportive. It's a tight knit community, and uh, they're always looking for more people to, to join the game. They're always willing to help each other out. <laughs> One of the interesting things about the competitive scene, um, I think, maybe just from an anthropological standpoint, but uh, the game Melee, when it was released in 2001, there was no way to update the game, no way to patch it. Um, You know, they can do that with the games these days, try to balance out characters uh, to prevent one character from being overpowered or not. And they'll do that uh, as well. I I hear some people griping about, oh, this guy got nerfed or this guy got buffed too much. Um, But I think one of the interesting things is with Melee, who that did not have this patching ability, you go through the years of the Melee competitive community and people will rank characters differently depending on what year it is. Like, um, I forget which character precisely, but I remember there was one character who everyone thought was like a mid-tier character, not one of the most powerful or competitive characters, and then three years after the game came out, you know, the same game, the exact same game that was launched on release day, uh, people started realizing, oh, well, you can do this or that, and this character all of a sudden becomes one of the top-tier characters. Yeah, no, you make a really good point, and I, I think I might know what you're talking about. Um, there, I'm not one to be super up on fighting game metas, but the one instance of this that uh, rings out in my mind is when the fighter... Uh, the rather the competitor hungry box uh, started using Jigglypuff in melee competitive scene and basically started sweeping tournaments left and right. Uh, it was a character that no one had really battled against much before, and he basically rewrote the metagame for the entire fighting competitive scene for Smash Brothers after you know uh, winning out with Jigglypuff. That's what you get from a long lasting community a long-lived community is you get people who are that dedicated to it and you know they'll find new ways to break the game yeah it's it's really interesting that a game that came out in like you said in the early 2000s can still have metagame breakthroughs happening in the mid 2010s like that type of longevity in a fighting game is pretty much unheard of usually a new iteration that overwrites the the given meta or steals all the player base from a previous iteration has come out by that point so you know i don't know what the longest played fighting game and competitive uh fighting game communities is but i'd imagine melee's up there hmm. i'd buy it i'd buy it too all right ready for some three word reviews Uh, my three-word review is Glee for All. Glee for All. Free for All. That's right. This game and this series has always been about being an accessible party game 
Uh, it also, the intense competitive scene that grew up around it has sometimes been treated by Nintendo as an afterthought, at least until recently. Uh, it speaks well to Smash Brothers that it still maintains accessibility and fun uh, after all these years later. Not to mention the platform that it is given to lesser-known games, lesser-known communities, lesser-known characters, uh, and, you know, lesser-known creators of all types. Uh, this series has been a wellspring for creative energy in terms of music as well and various other things. And that is why Glee for All is my three-word review. I like it. My three-word review was Furious Pickup Basketball. Uh, furious should be obvious. This game comes at you fast and furious. Um, it's a very high-octane uh, fare compared to especially some of the older fighting games, which can, um, when there's only two people, it's kind of can be a back and forth. When there's four people, well, you can't even predict everything that's going to be happening to you all the time. Uh, and then the second part of that, pick up basketball. Uh, for me, this game has always been something you enjoy with friends, you know, there's people in the world like LeBron James and Kyrie Irving out there who are amazingly better at basketball than I will ever be, but that doesn't stop me at all from grabbing a couple of friends and saying, hey, let's go play. Amen. And I think uh, when I talk to you, Josh, and I say, hey, let's go play some Smash Brothers, you will always say, hell yeah. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> so, uh... Next month, we will be still talking about Dark Souls. I know we're sneaking this one in, even though I said last episode that we'd be talking about Dark Souls here in the next episode. But um, we wanted to give you a little extra treat ahead of the holidays, so happy holidays. Hope you, everyone is having a, a safe and happy holiday season. Uh, we'll be talking about Dark Souls here shortly. And uh, from us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha. And I'm Josh Galecki. Take care, and keep on gaming. Hey, so um, I, I wanted to share like one bit of trivia that I uh, came upon while researching this that I thought was interesting, uh, and I didn't find a place to fit in the episode, but uh, Matsuhiro Sakurai, who uh, designed the series, was also a creator and director on Kirby's Dreamland, mm -hmm. and to my mind, that's why Kirby has always sort of played a very front and center role in this series compared to how normally you'd see him sort of along the sidelines, mm -hmm. uh, up to and including the most recent introductory cinema to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, where he is seen basically being the only survivor of a complete apocalypse, and he basically acts as your starting character for the one-player mode of... Uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. My goodness, the favoritism. It all makes sense now. Kirby's always been massively overpowered compared to his character's popularity. Exactly. Oh, hang on. I mean, Kirby is in some ways the Mega Man of the Nintendo canon, and compare the two characters these days. That's true. Kirby um, has a very lackluster video game record after, I don't know, probably... Uh, Kirby Superstar on SNES, which I consider the high watermark. Agreed. Yeah, bit of a bummer for Kirby. Like so much awesome history there, and to be perfectly honest, like some of the best music in video games, to my mind. There, there is some good music there, but you listen to Kirby's Dreamland, and I defy you to not bang, <laughs> you know, bob your head a little bit after that. They got some catchy songs. Kirby always getting the short shrift, except in Smash Brothers. <laughs> 